Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Breaking It Down. I'm Kat. And I'm Karma. And today we're going to be talking a little bit about addiction. So addiction is really complicated because once that you engage in that um, activity or that chemical, you know, dopamine is released into your brain and then your brain is always looking for a way to get that same fix. And a lot of people feel powerless when it comes to their addictions or, you know, some struggles that they have. But this month, we're talking about how people can overcome that. So today, we are very lucky to have Patrick here. Hello. Um, so, Patrick, you want to tell us about yourself? Introduction? Yeah. Um, my name is Patrick, as we already went over. Uh, the addiction and why I'm here, uh, I had an addiction to alcohol for a couple of years, was able to overcome it, still am overcoming it because it is a constant battle. Uh, so hopefully today we can just talk about a few things that might help at least one person out from where they are at the moment. And if we can even reach out to that one, then this will be a total success. So some questions uh, that Karma and I met and we're talking about, um, one question that I thought was interesting that she brought up was, um, if you could describe addiction in one word, what would you describe it as? Helplessness. Right. It's just you feel like you can't function without it. You trick yourself into believing that, even though you absolutely can, but it's your mind telling you over and over again, no, you can't. And then the physical parts start happening where your body is also telling you that you can't. And by that point, you're a little bit over your head. Was alcohol the only thing you were struggling with, or do you have other addictions? No, it was just alcohol. Um, uh, how do I say it? Did um, so just alcohol was the uh, like chemical dependence. Did you have any like um addictions like shopping or gambling no, or anything like that? No, no, like that. No, no. Yeah, it was just like the physical addiction to alcohol. Mm. You kind of get stuck in. Do you think that um, you were led kind of down that path with like nature or nurture kind of thing? I think it's a little of both. Uh, I always have had kind of an addictive personality, uh, but it also doesn't help being around it all the time where it becomes like such a norm to do that you feel like even in your personal time, you should be doing it. Right. Yeah. It's just you get tricked into these weird habits. When you decided to overcome your addiction, how did you do it? Oh, it was more of just a personal decision. Like, that's the key to all of it is you have to want to do it, right? And so I was just looking into my future. And if you look five years from now, if I'm still doing what I'm doing now, where would I be? Mm-hmm. And if that outlook is terrible, you know, you have to make a change. And so I kind of had that reckoning within myself. Like, I could stay this loser forever or I could do something about it. I decided to do something about it. And once you start down that road, as long as you don't look back, you can make it. That I mean, I think that's really rare for somebody yeah. with addiction to get <laughs> well, that kind of like. Is. But like, that's why a, like addiction in itself is so subjective. Like everybody has a different journey, and which also means a different recovery. Like certain mindsets might only work for five, ten percent of people going through it. So you right. really have to find it on your own. Like you could listen to a million podcasts, read a million books. But at the end of the day, if you're not committed to it. It doesn't matter what you've read or what you've listened to. It's not going to happen. Um, did you 
use any resources to quit, like AA or? No, I didn't think stuff like that would work for me. I did go to my doctor a few months before, and I was like telling them, look, this is how much I drink every day. This is when I plan on stopping. What do I need to know? What am I going to go through? Because those are important things to understand because if you just quit cold turkey and your body starts giving you these signs like that you're in a lot of trouble, you're going to think, oh, my God, I have to drink to save my life. But when you know that those things are coming, you can mentally prepare for all of it. doesn't make it any easier, but it keeps you down the right path where you're going because you're not terrified and turn around right away. Did you stop drinking at the lowest point of your addiction or was that the lowest point? Oh, I mean, in terms of, like, addictions, mine was relatively tame. I didn't have, like, a rock bottom where, like, something terrible or tragic happened Mm -hmm. or I got a DUI or anything like that. It was kind of just I started thinking more about the future. So I guess in terms of that, like, thinking where I was going to be, that was my lowest point because I'm Mm -hmm. like, if I get any lower than this, like, it's already too late. So, yeah, I would guess it was my lowest point. And then that's when you know you need to either make that turnaround or you get stuck down there. Was there a point where you were just, like, casually drinking at first and then it turned into? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure that's usually how it starts, right? Like, you get into this, like, party atmosphere. I watch a lot of intervention, yeah. and sometimes they just, like, go from crack, alcohol to crack in the yeah. same week. <laughs> well, I, unfortunately, I didn't have the resources for that, but... Uh, and it just started with like you, you, everybody starts college, right? And you drink the summer before to like get ready for college, and then college starts. I went to community college, so I don't have that much of a college excuse. But uh, everybody that did kind of stay around and didn't go off to school, we would hang out, just drink, and then that became the normal thing to do every time you hang out. And then you kind of accidentally <laughs> get addicted to it, mm-hmm. and then it's up to you whether or not you want to keep feeding that. And I chose to, at the time to keep feeding it because I didn't want to feel the misery of the hangover or whatever else would be coming. Um, so I remember one time when I was at your house and, um, you know, I was drinking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, great, um, great example. Um, but what I remember asking you, like, how can you be an alcoholic because you have a hangover and it hurts and you were like, cause you don't stop drinking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, and that was just so, like, whoa for me. Cause like, <laughs> I hate hangovers. So yeah. I really limit my well, drinking. See, and I just gave you a way out. You never have to be hungover again. <laughs> I haven't done it yet. You told me that like three years ago yeah. and I still haven't tried it, but. Yeah. But no, like literally the hangover can't come if the sober, like the sobriety never comes. And so you get into that habit. Hey, I solved it. I never have to be hungover again, as long as I drink in the morning. And uh, yeah, you can't really hold a job with that kind no. of mindset. So it's not going to work out for very long. Right. Unless you like win the lottery or something, but like, I don't recommend keeping your addiction even if you win the lottery. <laughs> yeah, we don't recommend keeping your addictions at all on this yeah. podcast. Unless you're addicted to positive things like helping people and and um, affirmations and Christmas shopping or like things that'll help. Not, not shopping. No, that's an addiction. Unless you're shopping for me. Yeah, I'm there. <laughs> Um, so, uh, it's 2021. So last year we started, you know, being really secluded in society because of COVID. Was that hard with your addiction? No, it really wasn't. Uh, because at this point, it's not anything I directly even think about. Like even when I'm stressed or like really bored, like Mm -hmm. I don't think, 
I should just run to alcohol. I can get rid of all these feelings right now. No, like my first mindset towards it in general is that it'll make any situation significantly worse. Mm -hmm. And uh, that doesn't happen overnight, having a mindset like that. Like I didn't think that way for the first couple of years. Mm -hmm. But then it just, it, it literally does become easier every day to find different outlets. Like I just got... Of the Xbox, like Series X, and that's been keeping me occupied this right. entire year. So, like, you find other things to fill your time with. Um, did anyone ever tell you that they thought you were an alcoholic or drinking too much at all? No, no, no. it never really came up. Because, uh, like I said, I didn't like make it like make any scenes. Like, there yeah. wasn't any overt signs besides yeah. the fact that I wasn't working <laughs> that maybe I had issues. Uh, so no, it was kind of like literally 100% my decision. Like there wasn't like a reckoning or an intervention or anything like that. How do you think you would have reacted if someone would have said something? Like, I don't know who your crowd was, but what do you think you would have said? I I mean, the people I do hang out with, like I have a ton of respect for. So had they come to me like that, I certainly would have listened. That's good. I don't know if it would have necessarily helped or hurt the process. Because it didn't happen, so it's kind of hard to go back to that version of me and think what I would have thought at the time. Right. But I think I would have been receptive. Um. So if you were to walk into an intervention, you would sit down and listen to all of us instead of like running out of the room and dropping yeah. mini bottles yeah, out no, of your because, <laughs> Yeah, because running out of the room just leads to feeling... <laughs> Another room. Yeah, well, it would just lead to you guys finding me and me having to do that whole awkward thing all over again. So I'm like, let's get this over with. I'll listen. We can move on with our lives. And I know um, I have looked into retreats for myself for uh, illnesses that I have, like, you know, like um, attachment disorder and stuff. Mm-hmm. But when I see these retreats for addiction, they look really nice. Like, you can see oh, oh, yeah. because they have to. You get that good feeling. You're not living in the yeah. closet, on the floor. You, you know what I mean? You replace the dopamine. Yeah. Yeah, like, but I, yeah. But I love, like, <laughs> they have the horses, like, the natural programs. Like, I'm just like that. I... I would have liked to see addiction programs years ago, like way before, you know, like there in the 90s. Well, like, yeah. Because like now it's it's really just a conducive, nice environment. I feel as compared to when I was listening to my, people in my family, they would have to go to like, you know, like psychiatric hospitals. And it's like, I would not be sober if I had no. to go to a psychiatric well, hospital. And just like when you hear people talk about the 80s and like there'll be an 80s movie on, it'll be like, well, everybody in the 80s was on cocaine. <laughs> like. Like, they say that, like, that's okay. Yeah. Like, oh, everybody was on cocaine, so everybody was fine. That explains a lot of the 80s, actually. But it's just, like, the problem with addiction in general is that it's so normalized. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not seen as, like, like, and it's not just drugs and stuff like that. People assume, oh, addiction, that's got to be, like, crack, or people at the lowest low. You can get addicted to anything, like Caffeine is the number one addiction in this country, and it's never been talked about. I know um, something that really irks me, which is something we have talked about on this podcast, and we'll talk about it, where I had a food addiction, you know, and getting over that was really hard, but, I mean, I would, like, when I had my addiction, I would, like, order Domino's at 2, order it at 6 and 8, and, like, eat it all. Well, that becomes like a chemical thing too, right? With yeah. your body telling mm-hmm. you you need to be eating all of these yeah. things. Yeah, and you know, it's always all around you and it tastes so good. And then the worst part about it though is that when you get obese and you start having all these problems, you have the body positivity movement that's like, oh, it's okay to be fat. And it's like, no, that's it's okay to not be the BMI perfect thing, but it's not okay to be giantly obese and 
like killing yourself and that's where i get like i i see where that movement is coming from oh yeah i see where it's coming from it should be like it shouldn't be understated that it's okay to love yourself while wanting to work on yourself. Yeah, like yeah. In, like staying oh, content yeah. with who you are exactly now, if you're not healthy, is not good. Yeah. No, you, I think you should always be striving to be healthier, better person, not sitting in front of a camera and getting paid to eat tons of food. It's like we're just making this environment, like, you know, worse. Like, it's no different than, like, here, let's watch alcohol on camera. Let's give them some, like, it's... You know, I mean, even though you see people post, like, videos of their friends and they're so blackout drunk and yeah. stuff, it's just, it is a really weird time to be addicted to well, things. Well, it's a hard time to recover. Yeah. Easy. And then, like, we do this to, like, people in our own lives, too, right? Like, so we can, there's plenty of people I'm sure we could think of that they probably have a drinking problem. Mm-hmm. But the idea of approaching them about it is terrifying. And then, so how we convince ourselves we don't have to do that at all is, a, they may be an alcoholic, but they still go to work. Their mm-hmm. lives are still all right. So who am I to say anything? And it's just like that continues to go around and around and around until nobody does anything to help. Right. And yeah. that just falls in the life cycle of some people's, you know, family history and stuff. Like uh, people in my family, tons are alcoholics. And growing up, my grandma would always say, "You're gonna be an alcoholic. You're gonna be an alcoholic." And yeah. I'm like, and I'm like, no, I'm not. Because you don't have a choice. It's in your family. Yeah, that's a great reinforcement. And I mean, yeah. well, it was. Yeah. It was completely. And I would grow up like what? And so, like, I drink alcohol now, but like, I'm so limited with like my my stomach. So it's like, how would you have any right to tell someone they're going to be an alcoholic? Like these family lines, these um, what do they call it? The words when you repeat. Insanity? No, when you repeat the family cycle, the toxic family cycle. But that also is created not just in your family, but if you have like a toxic friend group who's like also drinking or doing the cocaine with you, like. Or these echo chambers we end up in where we're all fucked up, so we're all okay. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. So, in this hard kind of time, as we talked about, what advice would you have for somebody um, who's suffering? Like, just turn everything off. Like, honestly, when I, even before, so, like, I got sober in 2014, which feels like it should have been 100 years ago at this point with how different everything is now. Uh, But, like, what I did for a month was I pretty much locked myself in my basement, just didn't do anything, didn't leave the house, didn't watch a whole lot of TV, even kind of just laid there or played computer games because, like, anything in the media or like on TV or the TV shows we watch are just mm-hmm. going to normalize the addiction you're trying to run from. And then you're going to start to think, Hey, maybe it's not so bad. Right. I, my advice would be just turn everything off, escape, just be on your own for a couple of weeks, do whatever you have to do. There's not much more you can do. Okay. We'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. Okay, everyone, um, we're back, and I apologize if you hear any dog breathing, as usual. Yeah, my bad. Yeah. My breathing. Um, so, interesting thing that we're talking about is when, this actually reminds me of something completely not related, but uh, in my church, they were having a pastor come to speak to us, and I mean, I usually have she was speaking about being a recovering racist, and I was thinking, like, what does that mean? Like, every now and then she just yells, like, a racial slur, like, cracker. 
like the black guy, <laughs> gun laws. Like I what? Is, what is she occasionally like get really scared. Yeah, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Recovering. So every now and so then she slips did, up. Did she expand on that at all? Or uh, was it kind of just she drops that on you and then goes right into being a pastor? We actually left the church. <laughs> I would. We didn't even go to the thing. Yeah, we left we, the church because that's ridiculous. <laughs> anyway, so we're talking about being sober. And what does that mean? Um, I think it's possible to be sober and still engage in some of the things that you used to do because with like I with my food addiction I can't stop eating like well, no, I yeah. can't yeah, so it's, it's like literally. yeah so it's like some of these addictions you may you know have to manage them you know not just quit it completely oh I can agree um, like just scaling it back yeah but um you know people who are addicted you know that's a hard path like I went through years of like therapy and stuff to get over mine. So if you quit your alcohol addiction and your smoking marijuana, are you still technically sober? I would like, so I would consider it a form of sobriety, especially with like, if you're talking California. about yeah, <laughs> California sober. Yeah. Especially if you're talking about something like weed, because it is technically medical and could I be prescribed it? I don't know. I'll, I could find out, I suppose. But, like, I don't use weed to escape anything. Right. I just enjoy it. Right. So, it. I don't think it would constitute an addiction or, like, replacing alcohol with that because it's for a completely different reason. Yeah. So, it's not like I'm replacing the reason I drank with something else. It's hard to explain. That's, like, the best way I can explain it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, it's hard. You know, I know people who, um, actually, we're going to have Christopher on this month who became addicted to um, opiates um, after a surgery. Oh, yeah, that's so um, easy to happen. Yeah, but it's like, you know, the rest of your life, it's like, uh, I'd be so scared of falling into that again. And now we have so many regulations, you can't even get like 20 in a month. Yeah. But, you know, but, man, it's just like, some of these addictions you still have to do or you still have to be around, you know? Mm-hmm. So how do you, um, are you, how are you around people who are drinking and that type of thing? Uh, well, that was really hard at first, like probably the entire first year or two. Like I just didn't want to be in a bar. I didn't want to be anywhere that would make me want to fall back into that or where it was like socially unacceptable to not be drinking right. it's you'd be shocked how often that oh happens. yeah it is like and you want to drink you want to drink yeah and then like <laughs> when i say no i'm all of a sudden the weird one like because i don't want to drink and it's like you're like i'm i'm the one being responsible at the moment you're looking at me like i'm the asshole it's just like <laughs> that's something you do get used to and you kind of like it gets out of your head but that's really annoying at first the looks you get when you tell people you don't drink it's like they they think you're a mole or a rat or something for the fbi it's like <laughs> Not, we're not doing anything illegal. Why are you looking at me like that? But, but like, it, it becomes easier and easier to be around simply because, like, if you do or the people around you change their habits. So, like, it used to be where we'd go out somewhere and everybody would get really drunk. Now, like, we go out somewhere, nobody even orders a drink. So, like, we could be in these bar, restaurant places and I could just be my normal self and not feel out of the ordinary. So it becomes easier as the people around you evolve as well. 
But it's just something that kind of, like, at first, you really want it to be out of sight, out of mind. Right. And then when you think you're comfortable enough, kind of take, like, baby steps, like, go into a restaurant that has a bar in it before you go into a full-on bar, just stuff like that until you figure out exactly where your line is. So, a few years ago, the man who created um, Alcohol Anonymous passed away, and on his deathbed... Um, he asked for a shot of liquor and he got it and then he died. Um, I literally had no words when I read that because to me, it's like, man, you fought all this time to get over alcoholism. Then you made this program. You've helped tons of people. And your last thing you do is you drink. Like I, 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 I completely understand like, He's on his deathbed. It's the last bite. I get it. But at the same time, to me, I lost motivation, and I'm not even an alcoholic. Like, I was just like, why would you do that? Like, let's stand strong. But I just read that, and I was just like, I don't know how I feel about that. How do you feel about that? It just seems really (laughs) counterproductive to his entire life's message, right? But I also think it goes to the point where, like, you're never truly healed. Like, Mm -hmm. it literally is a fight all the time, and... He obviously still had cravings. Yeah. And even if he didn't, then he really did all that for nothing, and yeah. then it's even more confusing. But yeah, yeah no, it's, it's, conf- I, it's I'm just, still confused years later. I'm just yeah, like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. No, that's a weird one. I probably wouldn't take that drink if I were him. No. In his shoes, being who he for was. For a lot of reasons. But if I was just like Frank Gallagher, like I, I would take a drink on my deathbed, you know, but this oh, guy yeah. was more of a role model. I mean, Frank Gallagher is going to outlive us all, though. So. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Those people tend to. Had such a good time on the Breaking It Down podcast. Cass is amazing and is going to cover all kinds of topics, and I can't wait to be on again. Such a good time. Can't wait to listen to it. Gather, deathbed, AA. What else we got? Um, well, I mean, AA in itself is interesting, right? Yeah. Like the entire Al-Anon. that it has. So I am sure it works for a lot of people. I just don't agree with its message that you can't help yourself. Like you need God or something else. To, otherwise, you'll never. Yeah, it's it. like a higher power. Yeah, right? you need a higher power. I think that is a load of. That's a load of shit because yeah. God gave wine out. Like, yeah. let's be realistic. But, <laughs> like, the idea that you're helpless is a load of shit, too. Like, no, you're not. Like, and these all these things, too, is reinforced, I'm helpless alone, I'm helpless alone. But didn't like, you say that addiction in one word is helplessness? It is. Why'd you do that to me? Like, <laughs> because you got I was like, wait a minute. We're about to circle you back. Yeah, that's, that's not great towards my credibility. But what I'm trying to say is you can get out of that yeah. circle of helplessness. Right. And you don't need someone to do that. Yeah, you don't need God. Addiction is also yeah. not permanent, so neither is the helplessness. Yeah, no, no, I, it's a completely different type of helplessness. Like, yeah. you're in the addiction. The feeling is just the feeling of helplessness. 
and AA teaches you that you are helpless. And, yeah, so. and the only way to get out of that feeling of helplessness is to not feel like yeah, is to yeah, yeah exactly. So I feel like AA in a lot of ways can be counterproductive, mm-hmm. but I'm absolutely not advocating against it because yeah, and it can absolutely help people. Exactly, just especially me. if you need like a contingency manager or somebody who's there to call you, and or just knowing that. there's people in your exact situation mm-hmm. right now. And like there, there is. So like, even if you've never gone or you're thinking about going, there are a hundred people within 10 miles of you going through exactly. Mm -hmm. There's resources. And especially with COVID now, a lot of that is online. So yeah, even easier to reach out and Mm -hmm. get help if you need it. Yeah. Um, I've always thought about going to Al-Anon, um, because I grew up with alcoholic, um, people around me and abuse and alcohol. I always thought about going to Al-Anon, but I never have. I've never gotten the courage to go. And it really is courage. I am scared to go because I'm scared to understand what their behaviors did to me and how that has created me who I am. Negative or positive. You have to be extremely vulnerable in front of a lot of strangers. Yeah. And there's just... I do that on here already. (laughs) Yeah, there's agreed upon fact that everyone's going to stay secret about your most, like, personal, Mm -hmm. like, life and, like... You're sharing stories when you're at your worst, and then you got to trust all these yeah. people to not judge you as well. So it's it's a big commitment in general just to go do mm-hmm. it. It does take a lot of courage. Um, one reason why I do not recommend um, going to AA or NA meetings is because I, growing up, I had friends who would go to those just to sell people drugs. Yeah, I mean, they, they would talk about it on Breaking Bad. Like, yeah, <laughs> they literally just go there and sell people crack and things, and it was just like... I'm just like, you know, a lot of those people are there to get better. And if you put that temptation in front of them, they're not at a point yet where they can say no. And yeah. you know that. And that's me was just level of like, I wish they could do like security. I don't know. There's, but there's so Mostly many. Like better vetting of who's. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, 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 a drug like, test. Well, you start drug tests. Nobody's going to show up. You're going to scare everybody away. But yeah. Yeah. But the goal is to be positive on the drug test. You have to be on the drug yeah. at the end of the meeting. Yeah. Okay. I, I, but like, let's just stop being dealers for just doing their own supply. Because they shouldn't be doing their own supply. They're good dealers. Like, responsible dealers are showing up to the AA meetings. Like, at least one. <laughs> I don't know. But I, it's a good concept that we, we need to figure this yeah, out. Yeah, like maybe with the microchips in the vaccine, we can like. Yeah, I mean, all over. Do you have Verizon, or is it because of the, the microphone? The microphone. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, meetings. Everyone has a different path that they're going to take. Even if it's in themselves, if it's through God, religion, or a friend, or I don't know. You have schizophrenia, and the jar of pens looks good. Like you're, you have to find a reason why. And What's really sad is a lot of you actually have a good reason why you have kids or family or jobs or people who like rely on you, but mm, you got to really work on your self-worth. Um, well, yeah. That's hard to do. Well, yeah. You want to be proud of who you see in the mirror. I yeah. know that's super boilerplate cheesy to say, but like it becomes more and more prevalent as you go down a journey of sobriety, like looking in the mirror, thinking about your last week and being proud of what you did in that yeah. last week instead of always thinking about, man, I really should have gone out and done something today. Right. So it is it is 100% about shifting your mindset. Well, 
It was nice having you, talking to you. Happy I to think there. that sums it up. You all good to go? Yeah, I mean, have me back for something else. Yeah, what, what else do you got? I mean, let me get the list. Hold on. <laughs> Let's <laughs> the list to get us there. Yeah, I'm adaptable. So it's oh, fun. he can come on about golf. Yeah, I mean, that'll get the, the listeners in. Our age, our prime age range is men 50 to 62. Okay, then I got a lot to talk about because that that is who I cater to with my my entertainment beliefs and all of That's that. That's perfect. And sporting and. All right. Thanks for listening. Remember to listen, like, share, and subscribe. Bye.